Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Have you deeply studied the life of Joseph? Let's open the Genesis 37 and look at the humble beginnings of this incredible man of God. Good morning and uh, welcome to another teaching. Today is Friday and it's uh, February 21st. It's around 8.45 in the morning here in Texas. This morning we're going to be discussing the beginning of uh, Joseph's life. Um, Joseph has an immense amount of material about him in the Bible. He spans from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. And how this came about is I was working, I was working out at, uh, at a pretty big church here in Texas and they have a, a nice workout facility in their basement and a lady that works there, Stephanie, I was talking with her and she had, she had brought up Joseph and both her and I were commenting on how Joseph has so many remarkable qualities that uh, we both lamented that we don't have, but we would like to have. So we just started getting into it and thinking about it. And so it seemed wise to, to go ahead and, uh, and start talking about Joseph and doing a teaching on Joseph. I do want to thank you, Stephanie, because, uh, because of our talk, I now have had to, to put in material study time on this, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, where I could have used that time to do otherwise useless things that I like to do, but instead you put me to work doing this. So I just want to I just want to thank you for that. You cut into all the unworthwhile things that I do and just added this to my plate, so I appreciate you, Miss Stephanie. So we're going to invite the Lord into our time here, and we're going to just go ahead and, and read it. We're going to discuss today. Lord willing, we'll get through Genesis 37, verses 1 through 11. Well, Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor. And Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the living word of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our God, our Master, our King, and our friend. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our hearts now as we open the word of God. We ask you to lead us and guide us and help us to facilitate the mind of Christ as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verse 1, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, 
while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and asked, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. The first question we always ask when we come to the scriptures, we say it over and over and over and over, is why is this in the Bible? And particularly, uh, I don't know why this is in the Bible. Because Romans 15.4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, was written to instruct us. And 1 Corinthians 10 verses 6 and 11 say that these things are written down as examples to us. So we're supposed to look into this scripture and see what the example is to us. And, and I cannot find any example because everything in here is terribly uncomplimentary. Literally everything in these 11 verses is uncomplimentary. There's three sets of characters in here. There's Joseph, there's Jacob and his brothers and everything written about them is negative. So I don't know why this is in the Bible, because clearly none of us as Christians have any of these problems. We got this on lockdown. Lockdown is an expression we use. I, uh, I believe Jesse taught it to us. And what it means is when you're trying to, to help someone or give them instruction, and they really don't want to hear it because they've got it all figured out already. They already know everything, so hence they have it on lockdown. It's locked down already. There's no need for you to talk to them about it anymore. And so we're going to find as we go through these verses, just the Bible is going to point out just uh, some very, very negative qualities and negative traits about Joseph's brothers, about Joseph himself, certainly, and, uh, and certainly about his brothers and the truth, obviously, is, is that uh, this is in the Bible so that we can look into our lives and see where, where we unfortunately behave this way and so that we can repent. I've said it before that the greatest tool in your toolbox is repentance, that we can just come before Jesus and say, wow, Jesus, that's, that's certainly like me, and I ask you to help me, Lord. I ask you to forgive me and help me, Lord, to, to walk uprightly before you and to live for you, Lord, and to not behave in this way. Verse 1, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. In my study this morning, I, I wanted to find out uh, where modern-day Canaan was, so I googled it. And Canaan was a country at this time. In present day, Canaan is actually part of Lebanon, part of Syria, part of Jordan, and part of Israel. So four countries today have different parts of what was then Canaan, the country of Canaan at that time. Verse 2, this is the account of Jacob. And what this means is that we're going to learn about Jacob's sons, Joseph being one of them, and it calls it the account of Jacob, even though it's far more about Joseph and his brothers. 
Verse 2, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So here it starts, right? Joseph is with his brothers in the field. They're tending flocks. And the scripture specifically says that Joseph went and brought a bad report about them. Why would he do this? Why do we do this? I remember when my daughters, Kristen and Lauren, were, were small. Maybe they were four years old. And my daughter, Lauren, came to me. And they were both assigned to clean up their room and get their beds in order and do all that stuff. And Lauren came to me and said, Daddy, I did it. My bed is made and my room is all cleaned up. I said, that's wonderful, sweetheart. And then she immediately said, but Kristen's still dirty. Her bed's not made. She brought a bad report about her sister. Now, why did she do that? Why would a four-year-old child want to come and beam with pride about fulfilling the request that her dad had asked her to do? which the mom told me to ask him to do. But in addition, she had to go out of her way to bring a bad report that her sister had not done the job. Why did she do that? And unfortunately, this is not a practice that's uh, only given to small children, is it? For what reasons do we do this as Christians even? Lord Jesus, forgive us when, when we bring a bad report about someone else. You remember Jesus said in Matthew that if you have a problem with your brother, go to him just between the two of you. Uh, Galatians 6 says, carry each other's burdens. It's not for us to bring bad reports about what other people are doing wrong. In the workplace, we'll find that employees will go out of their way oftentimes to gossip about what other people are doing or aren't doing, or did you know that so-and-so wasn't on time? You have a colleague that walks in five minutes late and you want to make sure that the boss knows about it so that the colleague looks bad. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we, when we behave in a way to build ourselves up by tearing others down. Lord, forgive us in the body of Christ and cleanse us of this, Lord. Holy Spirit, bring to remembrance times when we do this and help us to repent. Help us, Lord, to not try to make ourselves look good by making other people look bad. The proverb says that a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a wise man overlooks an insult. Joseph goes out of his way to tell Jacob, their father, things that their brothers are doing wrong. Now, we don't know what the things are. Maybe they weren't doing things in the field. Maybe they were taking too many breaks. We don't know what it is. But this is not a good thing that Joseph does. It's not for him. His brothers are adult men, older men, 40, 50 years old. But he wants to go to his father and talk about what they haven't done right. In the body of Christ, let's be people that begin to talk more about what people do well. And you know what? Let's leave what they do wrong to the Lord. 
Now, there are times for us as Christians and as ministers, certainly we want to exhort one another. We want to exhort one another to Christ-likeness. But we want to do that to them directly. There is rarely a reason that we need to talk about someone's problem when they're not there. When someone has something wrong in their life, we want to talk to them directly about it. We want to do it in love, right? Ephesians 4 says speaking the truth in love. We don't want to talk about people's problems to them in a harsh and negative and belittling and condescending way. But it's not for us to bring a bad report about someone if they're not there. And Lord, we ask you to help us to do that and forgive us, Father. We know that we have a sinful nature. My daughters at four years old certainly aren't even conscious of this, right? But we have a sinful nature, right? The, the, when kids want to tattletale on one another, right? As parents will tell them, don't tattletale. Why are we doing that? Because we don't want them to, to feed their own pride, to feed their own ego by tearing others down. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us in this and to forgive us, Lord. Um, this is truly, Father, an immense problem in our culture today. Now, verse 3 is going to be um, is a very big verse. And we're going to talk about uh, there are many in the body of Christ who are gifted in the way of uh, understanding human emotions um, and feelings. And they're going to put a, a major emphasis on verse 3. I myself have not been gifted as much. I am, uh, my gifts are more in reason and in logic. And, and most of the time, feelings and emotions get in the way of that. But yet feelings and emotions are, are a very big part of who we are. And so there are people who are very gifted in our midst at understanding feelings, understanding emotions. I mean, you can go get doctorates in feelings and emotions and understanding the cause and effect relationship to how we have these feelings and how we behave. So verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. So again, there are people, there are uh, brothers in my midst uh, that I fellowship with, my man Munden, um, certainly uh, Tom, uh, my brother Jason, um, Jose, um, uh, many of my wife's friends, the ladies, Sarah, Shireen, all these people have, a, have an immense understanding of human emotions and the cause and effect that they have in our lives. And when you look at this verse, all of these people would undoubtedly say that this is a, an immense problem. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, and he, and he displayed it. Many would say there are very few things that you can do worse to children than inwardly, let alone outwardly, show tremendous favoritism, let alone love. It says he loved him more. For a parent to love a, you know, one child more than another child. Again, people who understand these things will tell you that it, it will cause tremendous emotional harm to both of them, really. As parents, we ought to truly love our children equally. Well, how do we know that? Well, 
Uh, Romans 2.11 says that God doesn't show favoritism. The love of God is what's called the agape love of God. The Greek, there are four words for love. Um, storge, phileo, uh, eros, and agape. And agape means an unconditional love. It's the love of God. It's a love based not because of anything, but in spite of everything. And I think that the vast majority of people listening to this would say, I do love my children unconditionally. You do not love one of your children more than the other. Now, you may be more pleased with one if he's obeying you and in, in, uh, living a life uh, and you know, doing the things you've asked him or her to do. You may be more pleased with them, but truly you don't love them any more than the other. Uh, your love for them never changes. As a side note, our Heavenly Father's love for us never changes. He always loves us unconditionally. If we're in Jesus Christ, his love for us is unconditional. Now, his pleasure with us may change depending on how we're walking with him. And, you know, when when we're disobedient, you know, sometimes he'll discipline us because he's not pleased with bad behavior. But his love never changes for us. But here, the scripture says, and I mean, it just says it clearly and I'll say again, these people I've named and many of you out there, you know, would believe that this caused a tremendous problem in his children's lives, that this poor parenting, uh, poor parenting trait of showing greater love, not only having it, but showing it, demonstrating greater love to one child more than all the other 11 would have caused these sons tremendous you know, emotional difficulty um, in their lives. And so, as I said, most of us, by the grace of God, don't have this problem, but we do want to check ourselves and make sure that that our love is unconditional. Now, this can also be a problem um, with spiritual children. In my journey, as I've been blessed to be a mentor, I have been accused um, of sometimes showing greater love to certain spiritual children than others. And, uh, and I have certainly apologized for that and asked for forgiveness. And as a church, I think sometimes this is a problem as well. In churches, sometimes we can have our favorites and we can outwardly show them more love than we do others in the church. And I'm guilty of that. And uh, Father, I ask you to forgive us where we do this, where we, where we have and show greater love to certain people in the spiritual family than we do to others. And, and even when we make it known, um, as Joseph, I'm sorry, as uh, Jacob does here, forgive us, Lord. Help us, Father, to not show favoritism, to truly walk in the unconditional agape love of God our Father. Golly, help us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And because of this love, it says he made him a richly ornamented robe. Think of those words, richly ornamented. So it's like this robe is blazing, right? It's this incredible sign of his favoritism. Now, the irony is we, uh, for most of us that have been in church for any time, you know, in children's church, our kids will have come home at some point talking about Joseph's robe, or they might have, uh, you know, they might have done arts and crafts and, and tried to make this robe. And they've, they've drawn pictures of Joseph's robe. But 
What we don't see is that the robe is an altogether disservice for Joseph, almost entirely, if not entirely. No good comes from this robe. And yet we're all familiar with this richly ornamented robe. The fact that it's richly ornamented, all that it did was help make the wound deeper. Because Joseph is sporting around in this incredible robe that's just, that's gleaming with the fact that daddy loves me more than he loves you. Now, our heavenly father will never do this. And his parents, as I said, um, people who understand these things will say there, there are a few things that can be more damaging. And these people would also say that this undoubtedly leads to some of the problems that are going to happen here later. <sighs> Help us, Lord Jesus. I said again, this, these entire 11 verses really don't have anything complimentary in here. Um, but why are they in the Bible? They're in here because to teach us and show us and instruct us and be an example to us so that we can repent of any of the ways in our life that we see these things happening so that we don't make similar mistakes that we're going to see here. Verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, that's a heavy verse. Could not. I mean, their hate for him was so bad. Now, as I said earlier, you know, I come down on the side more of reason and logic and accountability. Jesus doesn't use these words, feelings or emotions. And it's not because they're not important, but it's the Bible is very clear that we are not to be led by our feelings and emotions. Our feelings can be hurt and it can even be valid that our feelings are hurt, but we're not to be led by them. We're not to act on them. We're not to act at all. Um, I'm sorry, we're not to react at all. We're to deliberately think about the word of God and, you know, what would Jesus do and, and act appropriately. Remember, Jesus said, bless those who curse you. That's not a natural thing, right? When someone curses you, your emotions can go off in a very negative way. Jesus said, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And then you'll be like your father in heaven as we talked about the unconditional love of God. Do good to those who hate you. Well, later in this chapter, Joseph's brothers hate is going to lead them to do atrocious things. They were going to kill him, but instead they're going to sell him into slavery. And the problem is, you know, uh, Jacob and Joseph themselves help facilitate this. Now, it's not, it's not his fault. We are accountable for our wrongdoing. And we need to repent where we've done wrong. And we need to go before the Lord or uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ and ask for forgiveness in whatever we've done. We can't say, you know, man, my, my father didn't love me like my brothers, and so that's why I tried to kill him and ultimately sold him into slavery. Remember, uh, Jesus doesn't want us to be led by our emotions. He didn't say they weren't valid, but, he, but we cannot be led by them because when we're led by them, ultimately terrible things will happen. And we see here that, that they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. 
we want to examine our hearts. Are there people in our lives right now that we can't stand so much that we can't speak a kind word to them? There should be no one in our lives. Now, some people may not like to hear that, but probably the single most important aspect for any Christian is to walk in forgiveness. And why is that? Well, because we've been forgiven such an immense debt. I was talking to a, uh, a lady who's going to Mardi Gras to do this incredibly hard mission work on the streets of New Orleans, or New Orleans, as they say. We were talking, and she had remembered this statement. I had told her that Jesus died to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And so if there are any aspects of your life, I'm sorry, or any people in your life that you really have a strong dislike for to the point that you can't even say a kind word to him, we want to repent of that. Again, regrettably, we see this in churches. We see it in politics everywhere that, you know, if you're on one side of the aisle, you cannot say a kind word about the other. And Lord, let that not be. Forgive us, Lord. And cleanse us of this unrighteousness, Lord. Forgive us as a nation. Forgive us as a people. Forgive us as a world when we behave in this way. Again, Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you anyone in your life that you feel like you hate them or you can't say a kind word to them and you just want to repent. I understand there's a lot of evil in this world, but it's not for us to bring bad reports. It's not for us to hate. Remember, Jesus said, do good to those that hate you. Help us, Father. Now, if that's not enough that the brothers saw that Jacob clearly loved Joseph more than any of them, now Joseph has to come and exacerbate it meaningfully. He's got to make it, I don't know how much worse. But, and I don't know what this is, 17-word verse, verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. I don't know, I guess you can hate, and you can hate all the more. That's the whole verse. Why would Joseph tell his brothers this dream? Why would he want us just dig in? Sometimes, man, when people are hurting, you know, we just, we just want to exalt ourselves and we can just make the situation worse. That's wonderful that Joseph has this dream, right? Certainly he should have kept it to himself. Verse six, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Why would he think in any way, any way, that this would be a positive thing? Did he think that his brothers were going to say, golly, Joey, that's wonderful. So you're going to rule over us and reign over us. How exciting. Appreciate that dream, bro. All this does is exacerbate the problem. And we're going to find here in the next verse that they're going to hate him all the more because of it. Verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? 
Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. That's twice it says they hated him all the more. Obviously, hate is probably the worst thing in the Bible. The worst sin of all is hate, right? Because the, the, the greatest calling of our lives as Christians is to love. Is to emulate the agape, unconditional love of God. A love that loves in spite of, not because of. And here, all we're talking about is hate. As I said, regrettably, thank you, Stephanie, for having me study this, because I can't find anything good in these 11 verses. Now, the good news is, and um, here's a little trivia for you. By the time we come to the end of the story in chapter 50, and Joseph goes on to really be a type of Christ as he's going to save the world from hunger uh, through the wisdom that God gave him, through tremendous suffering Joseph's going to go through. And in chapter 50, we're going to get the famous verse that we like to talk about, that uh, God uses all things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We all, Most of us know that verse in Romans 8, verse 28. But that verse, Paul, uh, Paul's quoting it from Genesis 50, where Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. And so this whole story is going to turn and ultimately come to just tremendous blessing. It's going to give us tremendous hope. And what do I mean by that? I mean, as I said, I, I mean, I don't even know why these 11 verses are included in the story because they're supposed to be an example to us. They're supposed to instruct us. But since none of us have these problems, I don't even know why the Lord put them in the Bible. Obviously, I'm being facetious, right? It should encourage us and give us hope because... Really, almost all of us have behaved in these ways. The way Jacob has done. The way Joseph has done. And the way the brothers have done. And yet, the Lord is going to show mercy and show deliverance and show tremendous blessing to all of them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Golly, we just thank you, Lord. Whew. Joseph is obviously completely undiscerning in telling this dream. Now, that, that brings up another point. Um, some of us are blessed to be given dreams and visions from God. And some of these dreams and visions are, are, are certainly legitimate, and some of them have grandiose things in them, right? Like we got a vision that we're just going to go out there and lead millions to Christ and we're going to do amazing things and we're going to be superheroes. You may want to consider keeping that to yourself. For some unknown reason, it just, it seems odd that the brothers don't like this. I mean, I don't know why people don't like it when, when you tell them a dream that basically you're going to be their ruler and master, and they're going to bow down and grovel to you. I can't figure out why people wouldn't like that dream. Obviously, no one would like this dream, but he tells it anyway. So he's rubbing it into his brothers. He's already, can you imagine Joseph walking up to the coat, you know, just, just pulling the coat open like, you don't have no coat. Look, I got this coat. 
I got me a coat. And he's kind of twirling around like he's a rock star in it, right? And then he kind of ties it up neat and says, on top of that, I had a dream, fellas, where all y'all bow down to me while I'm wearing my coat. They hated him all the more. Lord Jesus, forgive us. Forgive me. I mean, this this whole story is a model of my early days in Christianity um, and, 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 and even the areas in my life where it, where it still exists, Lord. I, I ask you to forgive me, Lord. And uh, I just ask you to help us where, where we lack such amazing discernment, Lord. They hated him all the more. That's the second time. How do you hate and then hate all the more and then they hate all the more? That's a lot of hate. And we should be loving and loving all the more and loving all the more. Lord, I ask you to help us one and all to repent of any aspects of hate or more hate or more hate and to really flip it on its side into love with more love and more love. Even those that hate us, as you said, Lord Jesus. And you know what? It's just not enough. Verse 9. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. This man is on a roll. This boy, he's 17 years old, is on a roll. You know, people have told me, well, Joseph's a teenager and... You know, teenagers tend to do things, and, and we certainly know that's true, but as adults, we do these things, right? As adult Christians, we do these things. As a matter of fact, as adult pastors, we do these things. Forgive me, Lord. Yes, I know he was a teenager. It says in verse 2 that he was 17, a young man. Well, we do these things as old men and old women. Then he had another dream, and he had to tell that one to his brothers too. Why did he tell them? Listen, he said. <laughs> you know, he says in, in verse 6, listen to this dream. He says here again, listen. You know, that's a word that, that says, I want you to, I want you to, to carefully hear what I'm going to say now. Listen. Stop doing what you're doing and listen. I got to tell people all the time, Stephen, listen, because he don't listen. Listen, he said. I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Can you see the grin on his face as he's wearing that richly ornamented robe that every side of it just digs into his brother's? That Jacob really does love him more than us. But he had to tell this too. <laughs> Lord, forgive us. Obviously, this is in the Bible. This is a very uncomplimentary place. Lord, I thank you that Jacob is a tremendous man of God. Patriarch. That Joseph is, is a tremendous man of God. I thank you that these stories end well. Lord, help us to repent just, just through this entire section of Scripture. And Lord, I look forward to moving on to 
to brighter days as we move on. But the next section is not good either because that's where they're going to sell him into slavery. They were going to kill him, but instead his brothers choose to sell him into slavery. Verse 10, when he told his father, why is it when we have things happen in our lives that are, uh, that are amazing things, we, we tend to have to tell everybody, right? But then when we're, when bad things, when someone else is doing bad things, we got to tell everybody as well. We got to bring a bad report about others and a good report about ourselves. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Help us to bring a bad report about ourselves and a good report about others. When he told his father, because that wasn't enough, you know, I got to tell everybody this dream. I got to tell anyone that'll listen that all y'all are going to be bowing down to me. You think he'd have had a little discernment, right? Matter of fact, when I go see my mother and father, I'm going to say, Mom and Pop, I had a dream and you were bowing down to me. Maybe they'll say, that's wonderful, son. We look forward to it. Probably not. Matter of fact, I'm going to go home and tell my wife, May, I had a dream and you were bowing down to me and everybody else that don't like me was bowing down to me. What do y'all think about that? Maybe they'll appreciate it. Maybe it'll say, wow, I'm going to start treating you better now. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now, why does Jacob rebuke him? He's not being rebuked for the actual dream. We can't help the dreams we have. Is that right? We don't choose them. Do y'all decide before you go to bed? Okay, tonight I'm going to dream that everyone's bowing down in an act of worship before me, and that's how I'm going to dream. No, we don't choose dreams, right? The dream chooses us. We don't choose the dream. Is that right? None of us can choose before we go to bed. This is what I want to dream on tonight. Hallelujah. It's going to be a good night's rest. I'm going to wake up just, you know, feeling, uh, you know, just built up, edified. We don't choose our dreams. So he's not rebuked for having the dream. He's just, just don't talk about it. Again, there are things that the Lord may reveal to you that it's not for you to share with everybody. And then there's things you may be sharing with everybody that didn't come from the Lord. Certainly, I've lived much of my Christian life like this. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. We already talked about his brothers were jealous of him and that Jacob exacerbated it very badly, many would say. Now, by, by clearly and outwardly loving Joseph more than any of them. But, you know, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about, you know, this, again, this doesn't pay, paint Jacob in a good light. But Jacob is an incredible man of God. But yet the scripture shows negative qualities that he has. 
He's a tremendous man of God, and he's walked with God, but he still has blind spots. And some of us have walked with Jesus for a long time, and undoubtedly we have a, a lot more blind spots than, than Jacob does. It is important that, again, we want to see the good in these, these men of God, in the scriptures, and women of God. But the scripture, again, will also have places like this where you have 11 verses that shows really nothing but, but negative things. And these are examples to us as well as the good. And these can encourage us because Jacob is a patriarch. The present day Israel gets her name from Jacob. This country is named after Jacob. Now Israel loved Joseph. Jacob is named Israel. The whole country is named after him. He's done countless things as he's walked with God. But he has some... He made this robe, this richly ornamented robe. And he made it out of tremendous favoritism. And we're going to find later that that robe is going to come back to him with blood on it that he thinks is Joseph's because his other sons lie to him and say that Joseph was torn up by an animal and killed. He never should have made that richly ornamented robe. And so, Lord, I ask you to help us and to forgive us, Lord, in, in, in every aspect of these 11 verses. Lord, help us not to show favoritism, such outward favoritism to people where we'll shower blessings on them at the expense of others, Lord. Father, surely this was a disservice, this robe to Joseph. Help us, Father, whether we're dealing with our physical children or our spiritual children, to really have an agape love, Lord. Father, help us to love as you do in all that we do. Father, we thank you for these 11 verses. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you that all of these men went on to repent and were used by you in tremendous and effective ways in the kingdom of God. Father, we just thank you for Joseph, who these next 13 chapters are going to go on just to see an incredible man of God, Lord who will walk with you through difficult times and who you will use to change the world. And we thank you for that. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.